Genesis 17, one of the clearest passages on God's covenant relations to his people. When Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face. And God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of the nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee. And their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, thou shalt keep my covenant. Therefore, thou and thy seed after thee and their generations. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you. And thy seed after thee, every man child among you shall be circumcised and you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. He that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you. Every man child in your generations, he that is born in the house or brought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with money must needs be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh. For an everlasting covenant and the uncircumcised man child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. Amen. And then Ephesians five twenty-two through chapter six, verse four. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let... Every one of you, husbands, in particular, so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures.
forever. Let me state something that is obvious to you. Christian children or children of Christians are born in the Lord. Children of Christians are born in the Lord. You can let those who squabble over words debate whatever that may mean. Sadly, they often end up with something that means the exact opposite of in the Lord. But the best path forward for us as Christian families and a church is to say what the Scriptures say and do what the Scriptures command. For the Scriptures are the very voice of God. Quite frankly, I think one of the most healthy things Christian parents can do is in thinking about their children to think about the future. Specifically, your children will very likely spend more years outside of your home than in it. One day, these years will be over and gone. When that day comes, what will they take with them? Paul says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. That is to say, in relation to our question, One day there will be a new family that multiplies from yours. A new one flesh union will come from your own one flesh union. Indeed, this is a great mystery. But I'd encourage those of you who have young children, if you can stand it and if you can't find the strength to do so, to look at a picture of them past and present and meditate on that truth. That one day, they will leave. And what will they take with them? In light of this, in our reading from Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, I have other questions. How much of a reflection of Christ and his church is being shown or was shown within your home? How did your way of living help your children know what to prepare for in their own future? Try looking at those pictures and thinking like that. You see, showing the heavenly marriage in your home is the best way for your children to be prepared for their future. The heavenly marriage laid out at the end of Ephesians 5. And it is no coincidence that these two passages, one on marriage and one on children, are side by side. The first part is what parents are meant to picture. That's chapter 5, verses 22 to 33. And children, this is what your parents are trying to show you. And they do that so that you might be blessed with the second part of the passage laid out in chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. So I have two words for you this morning that's going to lay out the rest of our sermon. Pictures and preparation. Pictures and preparation. The Christian home is for pictures The Christian home is for preparation. So what are these pictures? I chose six. I'll hit them all briefly. But the six pictures are, one, Christ and his church, two, bodies, three, submit, four, love, five, obey, and six is a garden. And then, what are the preparations? 
First, blessed living. Second, not to wrath. And third, nurtured and admonished in the Lord. So let's go through those pictures really quickly and we can work our way to the preparations. The first picture, as I said, was Christ and his church. You need to understand this. It is absolutely pivotal. All marriage participates in the one marriage of Christ and his church. Every marriage is meant to do that, but every marriage on earth gets its meaning from the heavenly marriage. When you are married, you are brought into participation in this imagery. It is what marriage is. The Christian understanding of this has been shown in the fact that all Christian marriage ceremonies have basically looked the same throughout the ages. Well, except not for today, because everybody does pick and choose when they do their marriage ceremony, what you like, what I like, etc., etc. You even see this in the changing of marital vows, God forbid. But it's because there is this singular image. When you are married, you are brought into what marriage is and what it means. But it is also true that this is what marriage is meant to show. It's not an automatic transfer. All of the obligations that Paul gives flow from this imagery that all marriages are based upon. So that's the first picture. If you want to imagine a wall, that's the first one. Christ and his church are what marriage images. Christ and his church is the first picture. The second, bodies. This is the second picture. This is reminiscent of 1 Corinthians 7, right? The man does not have authority over his own body. The woman does not have authority over hers. Here, men, love your wives as your own bodies. If you do, you love yourself. If you don't do this, you actually hate yourself. This flows out of being members of Christ's body. This is the parallel he draws. Yes, it is very mystical. You are of Christ's flesh and Christ's bones. And then these next three pictures, I'm going to treat together because they're kind of one in the way that I'm viewing this passage. There's plenty of ways to preach this, but I wanted to draw it all together as one this morning. And those three pictures are submit, love, and obey. And you'll notice that those three pictures come from the different stations in a marriage. The wife, the husband, the children. Submit, love, and obey. Right? These are the three words that Paul marks out as the ultimate pictures shown in our actions by each office or station in marriage or in a family. The wife shows the picture of submission by her relation to her husband. The husband shows the picture of love by his relation to his wife. The children show the picture of obedience in their relation to their parents. Of course, this is not all that is said about these reflections, but they are the initial points upon which each explanation that Paul gives is based. The submission of the wife, the loving of the husband, and the obedience of the children. 
Out of these three words flow the righteousness with which each station in a family is meant to be carried out. These three words are chosen intentionally, for they are given by the Holy Ghost to Paul. So let's address them individually. Wives are called to submit to their husbands because, among other reasons, this was the creation command to Eve. This is the response the church has to her husband, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the purpose for which Eve was given to Adam, to submit herself to Adam and help him fulfill the calling that the Lord had given him. And by submitting to Adam, she was submitting to the Lord. The wife submits herself to her husband to assist him. And in doing this, they provide the fertile soil that is needed for a Christian marriage. Paul even doubles back around and says at the end of chapter 5, let the wife see to it that she reverence her husband, respect. Husbands, you are called to love your wives. This is what Adam showed when Eve was presented to him in the garden. This is what Christ shows in his relation to his bride, the church. Adam was overjoyed to have his wife. There was no helper suitable to him until Eve was created from his own flesh. Paul comes back to this as well and says, Nevertheless, let every one of you husbands in particular so love his wife even as himself. Before we move on, notice the difference in the terms. And these different terms are chosen because, as we might say, piety or godliness has a different expression in men and women. Now, there's tons of overlap, but the primary outward manifestation of godliness with a woman, with a wife in marriage, is submission. The primary expression of godliness for the husband in marriage is love. You have to understand that. Wives and husbands are not interchangeable. The chief function, again, of the husband is love because Christ loves his church. And it is love that provides the basis for the rest of the husband's requirements in the marriage. The chief function of the wife is submission because the church submits to Christ. Again, remember, participating in that heavenly reality. And it is submission, like Eve to Adam, that provides the basis for the rest of her requirements in marriage. So then, since the wife is going to be marked by one thing and the husband is marked by another, it makes sense that the children will also be marked by a different word. And that word is obey. Children, this is the ultimate thing that you do in your home. If there is one thing that must describe your relationship to your parents, it is this. Obey. You are required to obey them. This is why you get spankings if you don't. And the last picture I'll briefly treat before moving on is the image of a garden. This mainly comes from the last verse, but I wanted to show you this picture as well so you could have it on your wall in your mind. 
It's the background of the whole section, I'd argue. A household is like a garden. You could say all the pictures in the household are really like flowers, but children are especially the flowers of a household. You can tell the health of a home by the character of the children. The home is the soil in which children grow or not. For better or for worse, your children will become the type of flower or plant that they are nurtured and admonished to be in your household. The last point about a garden. Children are born as members of the garden, not just those who will hopefully be planted later. Just as flowers need water, so two children need the waters of baptism. So those are our six pictures. Let's move on to the preparations. Three things Paul teaches that children are prepared for in our households. They are first prepared for blessed living. They're not prepared for wrath. They are prepared to continue living in the Lord. What is this blessed living? It's the promise that is intended And the Holy Ghost leading Paul to say, based on the fifth commandment, that if you obey your parents, your life will be well and long. Our catechism rightly adds in its explanation of that commandment, insofar as it is conducive to God's glory. Because some godly children die very young. In the kingdom of Christ, not even children are let off from hard commands. Children, what Paul teaches, the level of your obedience to your parents determines how blessed your life will be. The level of obedience to your parents determines how blessed your life will be. I don't think it would be a stretch to say in more childlike language. If you want to be happy, listen to your mom and dad. Do what they say. This second preparation, children are not prepared for wrath. They're not to be prepared for wrath. And notice that this is especially given in the relationship to their father. Things are stated here exclusively to the father because he is the head of this household. He is the head of the household in general. And in some sense, the buck starts and stops. With the Father. Address you, fathers, you have the primary role in seeing that your children are not provoked to wrath during their brief stay in your household. Before they go form their own one flesh union with whomever God has in store, one of the things you must not send them out with is wrath. Because of your failures. Let me give you something that must be said. You are going to fail. For this you must confess to the Lord and to your children. Seeking forgiveness and repentance. But you don't have to fail in such a way that wrath is the heaviest bag they tote out when they cross that threshold one day. Listen to what Chrysostom says about this verse. 
He does not say to fathers, love them. Because to this, loving your children, nature draws us as fathers, even against our own will. And it would be superfluous to lay down a law on such subjects. But what does he say? Provoke not your children to wrath. And he's going to give examples of what that is. As many do by disinheriting their children, disowning them, and treating them overbearingly, not as free, but as slaves. This is why he says, provoke not your children to wrath. Then, which is the chief thing of all, he shows how they will be led to obedience, referring the whole source of it to the head and chief authority, the Father. We all know this to be true. Even statistics reflect this. Whether a child is led to continue living in the Lord is largely, I mean largely, like 90%, determined by their relationship to their father. And the final preparation is nurture and admonition of the Lord. Fathers, you are to lead your home with the understanding that your home is in the Lord. Your home is in the Lord. Our doctrine of baptism, household baptism, comes from this. When Paul says, bring them up in this nurture and admonition, he means to convey to you that this is what they are born into. It is their right. They are in this home, and you're to bring them up in it. To keep them in it, they must be nurtured and admonished. Our minds are, again, taken back to this garden imagery. Children are the flowers of the family. Those flowers are to be nurtured. That is, they're to be cared for, provided for, loved, and strengthened. Those flowers are to be admonished. That is, taught, corrected, and given freedom to grow as those who are free in Christ. You see, children are free in Christ just as you and I are as adults. What I want you to get out of this is that they will grow to be what they will be through your nurture. But you can only do so much to force them to grow up to be what they ought to be. This is where the admonition or teaching comes in. You speak to your children and you correct them in their growth in the Lord, encouraging them upwards to keep them growing straight up to heaven. It is like children are little vines wrapped on Christ who is the ladder to heaven. You keep putting the vine back on the ladder. You nourish the roots. You trim the bad spots. You press the good spots to keep the growth going up in the Lord and to the Lord. And just as there was this firm command on the children about obedience to their parents, so too this firm command is given chiefly to the father and, of course, by implication, the mother. Your actions towards your children reveal your heart to them. That hurts. Your actions towards your children reveal your heart to them, for better or for worse. 
And in the great mystery of God, they become what they were nurtured and admonished to be in the garden of your home. Children do not become godly adults by accident. Yes, sometimes the Lord intervenes to overcome poor parenting. But the overwhelming testimony of Scripture reveals that this does not happen all that often. Let me tell you something that's true. All godly adults were raised by sinners with a lowercase s. But very few godly adults were raised by sinners with a capital S. Do you see what I mean? So remember these pictures and these preparations. You as a family, you have many images to display. And children, you are included in this, displaying the picture of what it is to obey in your home. But know that not all these pictures are displayed by the same people. They don't all display the same thing. That nail on the wall for that picture of submission will be left empty if the wife does not submit to her husband. That nail on the wall for that picture of love will be left empty if the father, the husband, does not love his wife. And that nail on the wall for obedience will be left empty if the child does not obey their parents. Wives show submission and reverence to their husbands. Husbands show love to their wives. And children show obedience. Another thing you know is true. When your marriage is failing, it is because one of these three issues are under attack. The submission of the wife, the love of the husband, or the obedience of the children. These individual pictures form the greater picture of a household that understands itself to be a garden. In that garden, children are prepared to live blessedly. They don't carry a burden of wrath when they move out. And they are nurtured and admonished to continue living in the state that they've been born into. A state of being in the Lord. But texts like this, they weigh heavy on our hearts, don't they? Because our failures are so readily apparent. But dear Christians, this is not a cause for despair. It is a call to self-examination, to confession, and to repentance. Parents, once you've done some self-examination and then confess to God, you must go confess to your children. Especially you with adult children. I don't know a single parent that doesn't miss the closeness that they once had with their children. Who wants their kids to leave? What greater way to work to restore that relationship than to confess how you've sinned against them? Spouses, you need to confess to one another. This does not make your spouse the Lord. But just as when you sin against someone in the church, you are to confess, how much more so should you confess to your spouse? It's not rocket science. I'll give you a profound and unforgettable phrase to use that will work wonders. Two words. I'm sorry. Pride keeps us from saying two words. How silly is that? 
Once you've said that, then you can make the difficult step of saying that which you are sorry for and seeking forgiveness. If they don't forgive you, or if they hang it over your head, that's on them. I would remind you all of the requirement to forgive as you've been forgiven. Those who do not forgive, Christ doesn't say they might not be forgiven. He says that they won't. Children, you as well are required to confess to your parents. That's when they confront you, don't lie. You're committing a double sin then. You're turning away from the truth and then adding a false. Your sin is ultimately against the Lord, but you sin against Him by sinning against your parents. Tell them you're sorry. Ask for forgiveness and obey their leadership in your lives so that you can become what God intends you to be. The truth is, the strength to display these pictures and do this preparation comes from the Lord. Just as all the pictures are from the Lord, just as the preparation is to be done with an understanding that your entire household is in the Lord, so any ability you have to accomplish these things comes from Him. I would direct you to the words of our assurance of pardon this morning where the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God. By reason of the bondage, God heard their groaning. God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And He looked upon them, and He had respect unto them. That just means He turned His face towards them. Once again, He heard their cry. No situation is too bad to cry out for mercy. The Lord hears the sighs and groanings of His people. Even when they have gotten themselves way in over their heads with their sin leading ultimately to bondage. He shows over and over again in scripture and history that when his people turn to him, he turns to them in mercy. May that same God give us these pictures and preparations in our households. And may we as his own body turn to him for the strength to hang these pictures on our walls so that one day our children will hang those same pictures in their own homes. Amen. Let us pray.